Hi everyone, it's Charlie Webster here. We're back with season two of My Sport in Mind. I'm really excited. If you've just discovered us, welcome along. The podcast is all about opening up conversations around mental health in sport and life. We're really proud to be supported by Sporting Life for season two. Head to sportinglife.com for expert insight, passionate opinion, and in-depth analysis for the sports you love all for free. And to kick off season two, I'm super excited to welcome Tottenham and England defender Eric Dyer to the podcast. Massive Thank round you for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it because I know things are, the football schedule's just been mad recently. Yeah. So thanks for your time. Is it kind of nice when you get a bit of a breather and do things like this or is it not yeah no it is nice and obviously with the circumstance at the moment we've got a lot of free time at home so um it's nice to fill it with things like this and and um you know hopefully talk about some interesting things and help people in, in any way possible is always good as well i was um, reading a few articles and i saw one that said during the first lockdown you were doing some plant growing so you yeah are you still doing that? Because one, my brother, my little brother is just getting into farming at the moment. And two, we planted all these spring onions in my window boxes and they're massive. <laughs> is it something that you're still doing? No, yeah, it is something I'm still doing. I enjoy it a lot, actually. And um, it's something which, you know, really helps me clear my mind. And it's something that's very rewarding as well. Growing your own things is it's a bit of a journey and you've got to learn quite a lot, but um, I really enjoy doing it. And um, it's a nice way for me. I like being outside and I like being in that environment and doing those kind of things helps me take my mind off everything else. And um, I found it, I only realized it really in lockdown, but it's something that really helps for me. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It gave me quite a big sense of achievement. It still does. Do you find it hard to relax? I mean, just before we started recording, we were joking because you said you're quite home bored and I was saying that I'm not. I'm the complete opposite mm. and I find it quite, quite hard sitting still. Um, yeah. What do you tend to be like? No, I'm, I'm terrible like that. I, I find it very difficult to, to relax. My mind's always going and, and um, I'm someone that likes to always be doing something so in that in that sense I find it very difficult but I am definitely a home person <laughs> I like to be at home and um, I like to yeah I like to be in a comfortable setting you know so I'll always prefer having friends around for dinner than going out for dinner or those kind of things because I just think the environment is is better for it mm. what do you do to relax then um, the gardening I always walk my dog every afternoon and evening and that's something that I've always done I, I really enjoy that that helps me you know just getting out and walking and I don't I don't like take my phone or anything with me I just just um, you know for half an hour an hour and I enjoy that I enjoy I, I really enjoy doing that and then I have different things so I just launched an app with my my brother and 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 another founder so that's something that takes up a lot of time in the afternoons and then I always try and do another kind of gym session in the afternoon if it's yoga, Pilates or some kind of gym session. I'll, I'll try and do one of them as well. Are you into yoga then? Yeah, I've been doing yoga since since I, since I was in Portugal. When I was like 18 or 19, I started doing it. And when I moved to moved to London, the method which I was practicing in um, in Portugal, they uh, the, the, the guy I was practicing with, he he introduced me to the people that were practicing the same method here in London. So then uh, ever since then, I've been doing it with them. But obviously for a while now, I haven't been able to see Paolo, the name, the instructor. I haven't been able to see him for a long time now, but um, I, I keep doing like the same routines within it. Though. Do you think it helps? I, I'm interested because I do yoga and I think it helps. Um, like I do a lot of endurance running. Do you think it's added to your game and helped you? And this maybe with recovery as well and strength. It's, it's an interesting one with yoga because... Um, 
And I had this conversation with, with Paolo, the instructor, because he said to me right at the beginning, like, there'll be a moment where you become so aware of your body doing yoga that it could become a problem for you playing football because you don't want to put your body in that in in a situation where it might get hurt because of the awareness you create for it in doing something like yoga. And I did find that start to creep in at some point. So we sort of had to like, I sort of had to back up a little bit at that point, if that makes sense. It was kind of a strange sensation, but you do become so aware of your body practicing something like yoga, which I think is extremely, extremely beneficial. Uh, but at the same time, there was that there was that negative effect, which I found interesting. I mean, it was something that he raised right at the beginning and something that we like sort of had to deal with at the time. But um, but it, apart from that, from a physical point of view and a mental point of view, yoga's helped me massively, massively, because I am very, I'm very stiff. So, um, so, so it's helped, it's helped me improve me in, in a lot in that area. That's interesting in terms of the awareness of your body, because I think that's a great thing but then I can imagine what do you th- it was almost like it'd make you more cautious is that what you mean yeah yeah, yeah more cautious um not not willing to put your body in in a, a, a situation that might be uncomfortable for it in terms of the contact or the the stretching for something in, in that sense because you with yoga I think you really do create a, an incredible awareness for your body so um that was something which was interesting but um, but I think there are tons and tons of positives that I've taken from yoga and everything around it. So um, whenever I do practice it, after I practice it, I feel so much better for it. Now I can relate to that. What would you say to any men? I'm going to predominantly say that that think oh, I'm not even trying yoga because actually <laughs> I had a bit of that attitude because I'm quite a gung ho personality, and then I started doing it um, seriously about three years ago. Yeah a lot because I think there's that attitude isn't there sometimes there is but like um even my dad started doing yoga like two or three years ago and that he's someone I never imagined would uh, would practice something like that and he's and he absolutely loves it and it's something that he's stuck with but I think um I think we're kind of getting past those kind of stereotypes I think a good example I went to like a Pilates class with my sister like three or four years ago I remember it was like the day after a game and um I was walking up the hill to my house. I just had breakfast with my sister and she's like, she was going to this uh, place to do Pilates. And uh, I was like, oh, I'll come with you, you know, like it was there after a game. And I was, I was in full tracksuit, trousers, everything. And I just thought, yeah, it can't be that hard. <laughs> and I just remember after about 10 minutes, just being a shaking mess. There was sweat everywhere and just trembling my whole body. And, and um I found a whole new respect for Pilates and it's something that I've really enjoyed doing as well since. So I think there's a lot to be said for it and it is extremely good for you and, and a lot more difficult than it looks, yeah, which yeah. I found out the hard way. It really is. Um, before I forget, what's the app that you're doing? Because you mentioned that you're doing an app with your brother. Yeah, we, uh, we just launched an app called um, Spotless. It's a recommendation sharing social network. The idea behind it is people being able to to share recommendations with friends and family you know um i think we're trying to we're trying to put like the word of mouth experience onto a, sh- a social network where if i had i it was one of the reasons i fell in love with the idea so much was a lot of people would go to lisbon and they'd be asking me oh where should where should we go for dinner where should we go out where should we stay and all these kind of questions and I used to have like a note you know and I'd send the notes list over and it's kind of digitalizing that word of mouth and uh, I think there's 
I think it's an area where it's extremely behind and we trust so much more recommendations from people, you know, our friends and our family, people that we we know. And if you know a person well, you you have a much better idea for a place and what the style of that place will be. So um, we we believe it's it, it, it's something we're really excited about, and hopefully um, everyone enjoys it. It's been a difficult time because lockdown has obviously <laughs> stopped everyone going out in any social way. But um, yeah, we're really excited about it, and we hope um, we hope people enjoy it. I'm sure people will when we're allowed to go out again because yeah I think that's a great idea because it's something that I do when I'm traveling I'm always like oh you know rather than just kind of yeah I think it gives like people the chance to feel at home in any city you know by being able to know people you have friends and family or people that have traveled there before and so you have a much better idea of places you'd like to go places you'd like to stay and I think um the standard websites where all these things kind of happen it's it's ratings and reviews from people you don't you don't know you have no idea who they are and what their tastes are so it gives you a much better accurate feel for for an environment a place a hotel a restaurant and so yeah we're really excited about that and you always get that like one complainer don't you on trip advisor that you just knows really yeah it almost makes you want to go because they've given like a bad review <laughs> yeah yeah and i don't like annoying people you know if i go to belgium maybe i'll message the tongue and almost then belly if i go to spain i'll message regulon or something but it, it's kind of you know it's somewhere where you can go or you can go on 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 spotless and you can see all of their places and you kind of have to avoid those avoid those messages because i know they can become annoying from from personal experience <laughs> um I'm going to be annoying there and take you back now to Lisbon, um, talking about Lisbon, because you mm-hmm. moved um, to Portugal as a kid, so the Algarve, yeah. you know, mom got a job over there, and then started playing really young in sport in Lisbon, was it like eight eight years old? I was eight, yeah, I was eight years old, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how, how was that? Was it just normal to you, or was it, was there pressure? No, uh, there was no pressure, absolutely no pressure, it was extremely... It wasn't easy at the beginning for me. I was, you know, in a new environment. I couldn't speak the language. You know, a few times my mom literally had to throw me over the fence to go and, to go and train because I didn't want to because I felt, you know, not not for fear of playing football, just fear of the environment. Yeah. Um, she likes to remind me that every now and then if I'm I'm trying to be a tough guy. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it was it was it was incredible, you know, playing there from eight until I'm in my debut at twenty, and it's my club, you know. I don't have another club like it. It's, it's my it's, I feel like it's my home, and then living in the academy from thirteen mm-hmm. is an incredible feeling, an incredible family environment there. So um, yeah, I only only have good memories. Once you learn the language better, was it kind of easier to be accepted within the club yeah yeah no definitely you know the first couple of years weren't easy for me being an outsider you know um it wasn't easy but especially the language barrier once I learned Portuguese and I started going to Portuguese school and then I really perfected my Portuguese but I learned Portuguese pretty much in those early days from nine ten just from playing football at sporting because I was going to an English school so only when I went to like a Portuguese school at 13 did I really perfect my Portuguese but by then I was I was captain of of the youth teams from I think about 10 or 11 and I put my Portuguese was was yeah perfectly adequate to manage everything and um, I just became just became like one of them really it wasn't there was no I was I was English and there was always jokes about that in different ways but um but yeah 
Yeah, there's going to be, right? So yeah, did, yeah. At that stage, did you have your eyes set on being a professional in the terms of at the highest level that like you are now? Um, no, when I moved to the academy at 13, so I moved there and lived there full time, went to school there. And when I, when I did that and like made the decision to do that, I felt like it was becoming something very serious that in my mind, I, I sort of thought then like, okay, I'm, I'm going for it, you know? And from then really my, my sole objective was trying to get into sporting's first team. And there was a very, very clear pathway. I mean, players did it every year because it's what the club was based on. So that pathway um, really gave you gave you something to look to and, and focus on. So that was my my aim from you know as young young as I can remember really there. What was it like when you moved? Because you went on loan to Everton and you moved yeah. to England, but you'd pretty much been brought up in a different country. Mm. What was that like for you? Because again, you was what sixteen years old. It must have felt kind of foreign, if you know what I mean. No, it felt, I know exactly what you mean. It felt completely foreign to me. I was, to be honest, the first six months, I hated it. Like, I was just, uh, it was, for me, well, even coming back at, when I was 20, it, it, I felt very much like a foreigner coming to, to England, you know. And at that time, when I came to Everton, I felt very much that way. It's funny, my English, actually, I, I spoke perfect English, but most of my day was in Portuguese back then. And it was kind of a strange thing coming to Liverpool and speaking English all the time and just a completely different environment. But it had a huge impact on me and something that was really, really beneficial for me looking back on it. In what way, when you look back now? What did you learn? Because I was, you know, I was, um, so I'd been eight years at sporting and I was very, extremely comfortable in that environment at, at sporting, you know, and everything had gone very smooth until then. And there was some, there was kind of some problems within the whole setup at Sporting at the time. And um, my father just said to me that he really felt that I needed to get out of that environment and try something new, um, experiencing something, put myself in an uncomfortable situation, you know, to not hold to my development. And um, going to Everton, I, I always say like I went to Everton a, a boy and I came back a man, you know, when I came back at 17 or 18, I was a completely different being in an environment in England, where it's a lot more, it's just a, a bit, quite a lot more hostile, the environment, you know, the training every day, a lot more intense. Physically, I changed a lot in those years. I had an incredible benefit physically for me. So, um, yeah, there was, there was loads of things that really helped me that time. When you came back to Lisbon, what was that last season like? And how do you deal with because you didn't get as much game time. So how do you deal with that? It's something that's always intrigued me in sport because you're, you're to be the best, to be where you are, you know, that must motivate you so much. But then when you're not playing games, how do you deal with it mentally? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a good thing to go through when you're young so that you know how to, you know, because lots of, lots of young kids, you're, you're always the best in your age group and, and you go through every age group very smoothly and then you get to the first team and then you play or maybe you don't play. And so it's good to experience it when you're young. For me, I was going back and I was like 18, but then Sporting had just started a B team. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to go back to Sporting because they're playing in the championship. So it was a competitive environment. And, you know, I was 18, 17, 18. And I think they were like, you know, there were 21, 22-year-olds playing on the B team, but I was training with the B team every day, playing with them. So I, was, I wasn't I was too worried about that in that sense. I was, I was very happy to be in that environment with a lot of 
very, very good players. You know, I mean, the, the sporting track record is incredible and the players that were in that B team, you know, there's numerous of them playing all over all over Europe now. So it was, a you know, the, the whole academy setup, the levels was always extremely high. Mm. And then you move back to England again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, was that, what was that like in terms of settling again somewhere that you didn't really know? Yeah, it was it was obviously an easier transition. I've been in the Sporting's first team for like a year and a half. I I'd played maybe like thirty games or something in total, thirty five games, so not a lot. But um, worked under some great managers in Leonardo Jardim, who went to Monaco afterwards, and they were very well there. Um, Josuald Fredo, who's an old manager but very well known in in Portugal, won with Porto before, and he was a bit of a father father figure for me in, in football in those in those times. He helped me a lot. And then Marco Silva was my last manager and I had an extremely good relationship with him. And, uh, you know, in some ways it would have been nice to have played a season under him at Sporting, but I just felt like the time was right. I felt like Tottenham were the, uh, a fantastic fit for me for where I was and speaking to people like James Will Prowse and Luke Shaw, who I knew from the England setup by then, you know, talking to them about Pochettino and, and his philosophy with youngsters and and how that if you if you deserve your chance, there's really he doesn't hold you back at all. So um that that all excited me and my ambition was always to play in the Premier League. So I felt like when you get the opportunity, you have to take it. You just reeled off, I think Three different managers that were Portuguese, and then obviously you mentioned Pochettino, who was at mm-hmm. Tottenham. What's it like playing under different managers? Because you've got your individual style of play, right? And then you've got the way that a manager wants to play. How do you adapt? For, for me, I think the most important thing is to be yourself, play the way you play best. Um, you know, try and impress the new manager when he comes in, because I think when new managers come in, there's really a fresh start for everyone which you need sometimes but yeah just I, I I think just always being yourself I think that's that's what's going to come through because at the end of the day if a new manager comes in and you act a certain way you can't keep it up because your natural self will come through in the end so um, to be yourself I think is the most important thing. It's kind of stressful trying to be something different for different people right? Exactly exactly so I think the, the if you believe in your principles and I, I, I very strongly believe in my principles that my my parents gave me that that sporting gave me as a club I very strongly believe in those principles so those have always been my benchmark and I try and always follow them and then what are they you know I'm going to ask you that sorry (laughs) you know what are they give me a list of some of the principles that you know Um, are in who you are and but also the way you play as an athlete but who you are as a person well always hard, hard working I think extremely hard working I, won't, I don't think I'll ever be outworked by anyone you know my family that you know to be be polite um, be respectful you know that was something respect was something that was extremely important at Sporting Lisbon um, you know to be loyal um, I think I'm, I'm very loyal to those that I care about and and um, the environment at Sporting ever since I moved to the academy and even before that their focus was was so much on the person rather than the the player. You know, they focused so much on that. You know, your school had to be right, your respect for others had to be right. You had to shake everyone's hands in the morning. You had to say good morning. You had to make make your bed. Your room had to be tidy. You know, all of those kind of things were principles. Like all of those kind of principles were huge for them. So that was something that 
is fantastic and I think is the right way to do things for, for young people in general, yeah. Sporting Life has been publishing sports coverage for over 160 years, from being the first published sports newspaper on a regular basis to now one of the UK's biggest sports content websites. Sportinglife.com prides itself on providing readers with exclusive expert insight into the world of sport all for free. Whether it's opinions, stats, interviews, previews, or live racing results or football scores, sportinglife.com is the place to be. You can also download the app for Apple and Android devices. I saw that you're an ambassador for Sporting and you've done some work with them, especially with like young lads and, and youth groups. What do you think football so far, and I mean, I know you've got a long way to go in your playing career, has taught you, especially in terms of like dealing with emotions and frustrations? Um, it, yeah, it, it teaches you so much and it te- teaches you it very quickly because, you know, I think um, the reason I have... Well, I'm, I always defend a lot when footballers get in trouble for different reasons. I'm always one of a big defender of theirs in general because you know you're 20, 21, 19, 18 in an environment which is so cutthroat, which you probably wouldn't wouldn't you don't really experience. You know, other maybe in other sports you might experience it, but I don't think there's many places where you experience such a such a intense environment at such a young age. So I think it's. It's um, you grow up very quickly. I always think like whenever, whenever I look at people I know of a certain age, and I look at a footballer of that age, I always think extremely mature <laughs> in, in every way because things happen a lot earlier and a lot sooner. So um, you have to learn quick, and if you don't learn quick, the game keeps going. You know, in football, um, I think it's it's a game with the shortest memory as well. <laughs> you know, what you did yesterday is irrelevant today. <laughs> yeah especially if it's like good because <laughs> then if something I don't know a team loses then that's all the pitfall exactly so, exactly focus on right um it's interesting you say about like I find that speaking to lots of different sports people in terms of like the maturity how do you personally dealt with um that cutthroatness and how do you deal with things when they don't go right I suppose just in general um yeah, it's, it's it's difficult. It's like, you know, I don't really ever really like sort of reflect on it. It's just when things aren't going right, I always try and I always try and go back to like go go back to my principles and see if I've strayed from any of those, you know, make sure that yeah, kind of going back to basics. I I I personally always find that if I'm going for a difficult period, I'll I'll kind of work for it, you know, I'll work harder than I would normally to get through it and that I always putting in that extra bit of work here and there that always helps me build my confidence back up and and push through something so um i'll do that and then obviously you rely on people as well you know i rely on my my family and my friends to help me get through those those periods as well because i know you went through i mean it was it was a public tough time and which i suppose is very hard if you're a footballer because I can imagine there's not a lot of things that don't end up being public um, where you had um, a problem with your appendix. And I remember when you came back and and I was really ill one time four or five years ago and it was so hard for me to come back. And I think quite often people don't look at the aftermath, right? How hard is it, was it you in terms of the frustration that you had in your minds and what your body was able to do at that time, especially with the, the fact that it was difficult in terms of immune system and recovery during that period? 
Yeah, well, there's there's so much on this topic. Firstly, like people were always mentioning, like, oh, he's had injury problems. I'm like, no, like I've I've actually, you know, touch wood, never had a a, a serious injury or any injury up to that point. You know, I think at Tottenham to that point, I think. I think maybe Hugo and Christian were the only players that played more minutes since I've been at Tottenham. So um, I was I prided myself on that consistently being fit, and for it to be a health issue, you know, was was even harder to deal with. I think because if it was something muscular that you did while you're playing, you have a lot better understanding of it from experience with others and you know experience when you're younger. But being a health issue, it was extremely difficult for me to kind of accept and. Um, you know, you're kind of at your physical peak and it was my own fault as well because I thought after my appendix, I was just like, oh, you know, this can be quick. I'm going to be back really quick. Yeah. And, you know, r- rushing through everything, you know, thinking you're unbeatable. But what, with an illness, it's incredible just how how uh, vulnerable you become so quickly. And my problem was really simple. I had my appendix, but my appendix burst. So I was rushed to hospital and then my recovery, as I said, I think the first time I pushed it way too fast, too quickly, you know, got ill again. And my immune system just couldn't. Every time I'd start to to build up my training, I'd get I'd fall ill again like four, five, six times, you know. So my fitness, I couldn't I couldn't get fit basically. And then after a while, we as a as the club decided like we're gonna have to take this really slowly and literally like day by day. So I was like checking my my heart rate and heart rate variability every morning before when I woke up to see how I was how I was if I was tired or not. And then they sort of plan my training based on that to try and build myself up. And so it took a very long time, and it was. It was extremely difficult. And then, you know, during those periods, I was playing games sometimes, but obviously no way, no way near the level I wanted to be at or the fitness that I wanted to be at or the mindset. I was just trying, like, trying, pushing, trying to get back, trying to get back. And so then those kind of things creep in. So it was, yeah, it was a difficult time. And then, as you said, I, I don't really, I don't really care too much about it, but obviously people only see those snippets of when you play and don't really know what's going on in between all those times. And so, um, so that, that can become frustrating, but um, yeah, it, you know, thankfully I got, I got through it in the end and it wasn't, you know, it's not the end of the world, but um, it was a difficult time. Yeah. It sounds it. What was, um, I was going to ask what advice would you give to anybody that's going through, you know, especially now a period like that, where they've been, I mean, I can really relate to this myself where they've been, there's this expectation of what you should be able to do. Oh, yeah, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And um, what's your best piece of advice during that period? Is it take day by day? Don't rush because I think you, you know, in your head, you know, it's like it, it could be the next game, the next race, the next whatever it is. You can, you're, you're thinking so short term, you know, um, well, even now I constantly think so short term and then I look back now and I think like, why was I rushing <laughs> for that or for this? It just looked, it looked, it looks so silly now when you look back on it, but in the moment, you know, so I think you need to try and take yourself out of that and do everything in, in the right way and, and, and really listen to your body and, and um, try and be very disciplined and accept advice again from people around you is something that you you should look look for it you should look for help and you should accept help because I don't think any of these things you can you can do by yourself yeah I agree what helped you the most or during that period who helped you the most 
my family, my friends, I talked to them a lot. They were, yeah, they they were the people that that helped me the most for for sure. My parents, my brothers and sisters, and my close friends, I'd, I'd speak to them a lot, and they'd give me a lot of support and try and try and help me in any way they could. And then, obviously, the medical medical department at the club, and and then yeah, making changes. You know, I, I ended up getting a nutritionist to get through that period, and really focused on my diet and and everything around that to try and try and you know push everything to its max to make sure that I was doing everything right. Yeah, it's just interesting here you talk about that. And in terms of fans, because you're right about this, this expectation, it's almost like, um, oh, well, you're out diet. You shouldn't be allowed to be ill or, you know, and it's almost yeah. more accepted if it's an injury, because I also think because people can see it, right? It's obvious yeah. Yeah. it's a cruise ship, whatever. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. And, um, is is what people say something that affects you or is it just something that you've learned to write you know right over your head and especially even 10 minutes ago I think you said about like footballers defending footballers you know yeah no it's never I've never been someone that's really been affected obviously think can affect you sometimes but I've never really been affected too much because I had the incident with the fan you know and it's kind of funny that it was me that had the incident because it's not really something that ever really bothers me at all in any way I don't really I don't really pay attention because I think I'm I think I'm very honest with myself which is very important and and I'm lucky because I have people I think I have people around me that are very honest with me as well so they don't they don't think I'm acting in the right way or doing something the right way they tell me as well so that's very helpful but um so like if I'm playing badly if I'm doing badly or whatever I, I know before anyone else I don't need anyone else to tell me you know if my manager tells me my, or my, my my brother sister's parents I'm going to listen to them you know I'm, I'm all ears for them but um for anyone else I don't really I'm not really interested <laughs> in what in what they say or how they feel about it. Um, I think you're really right about the illness because it's something that people couldn't see. And I'm, I'm not someone who's going to like make a big deal out of it or tell anyone. So if you can't see it, I think you're right. In a sense, it's a bit harder to understand. Yeah, I think that, that applies to mental health a lot of the time as well. It's almost like we're more forgiving if we can see that somebody's got a physical injury because we can understand it more maybe. Mm. Um, how much is the mind and psychology part of your game and especially under your current manager, Josie Mourinho? I mean, I don't obviously know him personally. I mean, I've met him a few times, but I presume he's quite psychological in his game. Yeah, he's yeah, he's extremely, um, extremely psychological. I think men- he's mentally, um, you know, one of the strongest people I know. I think it's something he's always priding himself on and something, uh, you know, a huge strength strength of his but but the the mental side is is huge in football you know I think um growing up especially the amount of footballers that I knew that were were a lot better than me that didn't make it you know was was purely a mental aspect and not a and not a physical one so the mental aspect is well it's the it's the biggest it's the most important I think in my eyes I think the talent and the the quality of lots of players is is very similar and it will be their mental fortitude that will that will be the difference and in terms of also belief do you think do you mean yeah yeah belief belief in this belief in themselves but more than more than belief i think um not i I think more than belief the 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 mental fortitude in difficult moments you know willing to go that extra mile is 
you know, willing to run that extra little bit or put a little bit more effort in there is is purely a mental thing. It's not physical at all. You know, <laughs> of course, people could be, you could be tired at the end of the game or something, but but it really does come down to how much you're you're willing to do and how much you're willing, you know, to sacrifice and and, and put into something, which all comes down to your mentality. I think. Yeah, I agree completely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so fascinated in terms of the mind and what it can do and but that's why I do a lot of um, endurance races and stuff as well because mm. I think it's not about the physicality it's about no. you can push yourself to be able to do when you're yeah, yeah. pain or when things don't go right yeah 100% and but also like you can build up that mental mental strength you know in doing physical work you can build up that mental strength I think like during the first lockdown I, I um I was my brothers and my my um brothers in law like they they love to run and, and train and do different things. So we were all doing different things and I got a bit obsessed with five K runs, you know, and trying to get my time down on five K oh, runs and no. and um <laughs> and they're like and getting through getting through those and, and like bringing your time down but just getting through them and it's like, you know, gives you a lot of mental mental strength and builds up your mental capacity. So it's something that you can it's something you can definitely work on if you get through difficult things mentally you you build strength i think yeah i um, i am um, definitely do that with my uh, times anyway <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of this year it's kind of a big year for you and you're obviously going for maybe a win in the premier league with tottenham and also obviously there's the euros hopefully there's the euros um yeah. that's if you like set yourself goals is that something you do for the year have you got one mind on the euros no I, I, one thing i've learned in football is like not to put your mind on something that far in front um i don't think that's a good idea at all yeah just no i've, I've definitely got goals and things i want to do this season and I've got individual ambitions and collective ambitions, but I would never think that far ahead because um, there's a lot to be done before that. And in football, things change extremely quickly, as I said before. So I just try and focus. I try and focus like just constantly control everything that I can control to do it myself, first and foremost. So I do a lot of work around mental health and that's one of the things that um, I has really helped me and I always say to people is you know there's so many things out of our control and I think we as humans like to try and control everything because it makes yeah. us feel safer and one yeah. thing to do is to to just focus on what you can control and focus on that moment because again if you look too far ahead then you start going well what if what if this happens what if there's no fans at Wembley for the final or whatever yeah England gets the final what would your yeah. piece of advice be for people that are finding things tough right now or just for the moment because I think in general in whatever your circumstance are people are having challenges I think it's about being open-minded you know try try different things try different I, I love like trying different things and then something stick with me and some things pass on you know and they'll be great for someone else but they're not great for me you know so I think to have an open mind is is extremely important and I'm, I'm always like trying different things to try and feel better in certain situations. So I think that's really important to have an open mind to that. And then, yeah, in terms of focusing on yourself, I think with, especially nowadays, like social media and all those kind of things, people can 
constantly looking outwards, looking outwards towards what other people are doing, how other people are living, and completely false interpretation of it as well. So um, to focus on yourself and what you can control and focus on how you, what makes you feel better. Don't worry what someone else is. If someone else is doing it in another way, it doesn't matter. If, if this makes you feel good, then, then follow that, you know? And um, yeah, I think that, that's good. I think that's really good you were saying about advice. And you made a really good point though, because you're right. What what some what me might say or what works for us might not work for other people. So I think it's a great point that it doesn't matter if it doesn't work for you. But I think mm. that was a really good bit of advice at the end. And thanks so much. I really appreciate you talking to us and your time. My um, pleasure. My I pleasure. Hope, Thank you for having me. I hope to see you in the Euros. Hopefully. Thank you. <laughs> um, hopefully we can all watch you. Um, but yeah, thanks so, again for your time and good luck for this season. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed the first episode back. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts as well. And you can check out our YouTube and our social media as well. Uh, thanks to sportinglive.com, who are our new sponsors. We're really, really pleased about ahead of the rest when it comes to unbiased opinions and sports analysis. And please remember, if you are really struggling, you can reach out to charities such as Mind and the Samaritans. The Samaritans are on 116123 and you can also email them as well confidentially and also sport in mind. People do understand and do want to help. Or you can text SHOUT to 85258. Take care, speak again soon.